Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friday and weekend edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. We're going to do a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast uh, coming out of Brown's mandatory mini camp. Our football insiders uh, came through with questions for us, as they always do. If you want to get involved in football insider, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that. Mary Kay, let's start here. This comes from Brian in Delaware, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, can a team with so many new faces develop enough chemistry, timing, and cohesiveness in one offseason to seriously compete for a Super Bowl with teams like Kansas City, who have been on the same page for years? Yes, it can happen, but everything has to go right. The play calling has to be right. Uh, The schemes have to be right for the players. You have to have some good luck. You have to have health. It is possible because once you get into the tournament, anything can happen in that particular game. So the whole key is uh, to try to go out there and win your division if you can. If not, uh, grab that wild card spot. And of course, there are three of them now uh, and just get into the tournament. And if you can get into the playoffs, then anything can happen. So, yes, it's possible. It will not be easy. They do have to, um, you know, they do have to gel. They do have to have cohesiveness as a team. They do have to have camaraderie as a football team. Uh, But I definitely think it's possible. Yeah. And I think we've seen some teams do it to varying degrees. Um, You know, like Philadelphia kind of came together, you know, they brought in AJ Brown and and Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback full-time last year, and they made it to the Super Bowl. You know, there was obviously some pre-existing, there there were pre-existing things there. Um, You know, Tampa, when they brought in Tom Brady, um, you know, teams, teams can do it in the NFL because it's a one and done playoff system. And like you said, seven teams get in now. So really you can use the first few months of the season to kind of do that gelling. And as long as you're sort of within shouting distance around Thanksgiving, you still have a chance. Yeah. I mean, it can come together quickly, especially if you have sort of simplified schemes. And I do think that Jim Schwartz is installing a defense that is going to be easy for these guys to grasp and pick up. The commands are simple. And if they just do what they're asked to do, uh, they should be able to play some really good defense early on. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to have as many uh, you know, issues as they had last year with blown coverages, missed tackles and things like that. I think that um, you know, in their own kind of way, some of these guys this week were really kind of trying to say, you know, we don't have to think as much now. 
we can just, you know, play some fast football and we can react and we can do the things that we do well. So on the defensive side of the ball, I definitely think that, uh, that they will be ahead of the game that way. On the offensive side of the ball, they're putting more into the hands of Deshaun Watson. And I think that's good because what we're talking about here, when you're talking about a team kind of all coming together and making it to the playoffs or the Super Bowl, a lot of that falls on the quarterback and they've got the quarterback to be able to do it. And it's not like he's brand new. He was at least around last year for much of the season. He was around for training camp. He was around for the offseason program and for the final six games of the season. So he's not starting from scratch. Uh, he just has to build on what he learned last year. And they, you know, they overhauled everything. They gave him better weapons. So I think that uh, he should be okay. I think that he's ready for this kind of responsibility. And, you know, it's not like this team is completely new. Um, you know, I mean, the offensive line has been together for a while now. Even, even Ethan Posich has been the starting center for a full season. Your your secondary, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, those guys have all been together for a little while. Um, it, you know, there, there's, there's areas of this team, even like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper have been together, you know, now for a season. Nick Chubb has been here forever with this offensive line. So, there are there are elements of this team that have been together for a while, and obviously the systems are a little new. Uh, there there are some very important players now who are also new. But look, this team has run it back before, and it hasn't worked. So there there's just no guarantee. There's no like surefire formula as to how this goes. No, I mean, look at the Rams, you know, they added Matt Stafford and then late in that uh, season, they added Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, they they went to the Super Bowl and won it that year. So um, so anything can happen when you put new faces and a new team and new schemes together, providing you've got the talent. And the Browns certainly have the talent now to get the job done. Again, some of it's going to fall on Deshaun Watson and how well he plays. A lot of it will fall on that. Uh, But when you also have tough lines. When you're building tough on the offensive and defensive lines, that's going to count for a lot. You can disrupt the other quarterback. You can protect your own. And uh, that goes a long way. Okay. This question comes from uh, Phil Knopp in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Mary Kay, what receivers stood out in minicamp? Yeah. You know what? That's pretty easy because, uh, (laughs) you know, a number of guys did. I mean, on one of the first days we had Marquise Goodwin catching two long touchdown passes and, you know, they've made a concerted effort to try to ramp up the explosiveness of this offense. And they were able to accomplish that, at least in a practice with some seven on sevens. Uh, so that's looking good, Marquise Goodwin. Um, and then Elijah Moore had a really, really nice camp. Really nice. Uh, I had just missed a one-handed catch that he made again in seven on seven red zone drills yesterday. I was standing right there, but I was posting another video and I missed it. But it was a beautiful one-handed catch. Uh, kind of in the Odell Beckham Jr. mode. You know, he's almost like Odell light a little bit when you see him out there. And I think that's going to be really exciting for the Browns. Donovan Peoples-Jones basically said, don't forget about me, right? I mean, he was like, nope, do not sleep on Donovan Peoples-Jones this year. I think he's ready to take it up another notch. He had a really, really nice camp. Uh, He had a lot of field awareness. He caught some really nice passes in the back of the end zone, got his feet down. Uh, You know, he, you know, he's one year older in the game and, you know, the game has slowed down for him a little bit and Deshaun already has a little bit of chemistry with him. So I think that, uh, that he's poised for a pretty nice season. 
Yeah, I thought it was a good camp all, all around for the receivers. I think we saw guys really step up and and kind of show what they could do, but especially the top of that receiving core. And, um, it, you know, look, Amari Cooper, we didn't get to see a lot of him, but it was it was fun to watch him on Tuesday when he was, you know, kind of full go and he was in team drills and he just looked like Amari Cooper. So I don't I don't know if you, if you can say Amari Cooper stood out just because he, you know, what do you expect from Amari? He looked like he was supposed to, but you know, all that, you, you just came away from this camp in general, I think, feeling good about sort of how they remade this receiver room. Yeah. And as far as Amari is concerned, and we've talked about this a little bit on a previous pod and maybe in some videos, and that's the fact that he just has a lightness of being about himself because he has the core muscle surgery behind him. He didn't really want to have surgery. He's not the kind of person that easily undergoes the knife. I don't know if he's ever had surgery before this. And I know he really did not want to do it. And so I think that's a weight off of his shoulders. And uh, and I think he's feeling really, really good. So he doesn't have to go into this season wondering if he's going to re-injure the core muscle injury. He doesn't have to go into the season wondering if he should have gone ahead with the surgery that he didn't want to do. He took care of it. It went well. He went to one of the best core muscle surgery docs in the country, if not the best, uh, the same one in Philadelphia that did Odell Beckham Jr.'s core muscle surgery. And he looks good. He looks good out there on the field. He, he's always looked good to us, uh, but now he also feels good. And I think that's important. And he's just relaxed and he's happy. He's excited to play with Deshaun. He sees what's going on around him now, which is hey, there's Elijah Moore over there, and there's Marquise Goodwin, and there's Jordan Akins, and uh, he can tell that this is a, a much better receiving core than it was last year. He also would have even welcomed DeAndre Hopkins with open arms. Now, as we know, that is absolutely probably, well, let me just say, probably not going to happen. Um he now is, in addition to visiting the Titans on Sunday, then he's going on to visit the Patriots. As of right now, the Browns still do not have a visit set up with DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, the more I tried to report this out, the more uh, it came back to me a few different ways that, as of right now, that's not the plan. It's not in the cards to bring him in for a visit. So they are pretty happy with what they have at this point, And it's looking pretty good out on the grass. Yeah, now you've got, you know, Deshaun's not in the building anymore. He's not doing media anymore. So even he's not really going to be lobbying as much for uh, for DeAndre. So I guess maybe uh, maybe that's cool. But we'll see. Maybe maybe the interest just isn't there after these visits. Maybe his price comes down and, and maybe there's kind of a secondary market here. Yeah, I mean, you can never say never. And I just say that over and over and over in these situations because the Browns, they really never thought that they were getting Deshaun Watson. And that's the biggest example of landing a big fish when you didn't think it was going to happen. And for a number of reasons, things fell into place and he is here. And, you know, certainly something similar could possibly happen with DeAndre Hopkins if the market sort of bottoms out on him and you can get him at a bargain basement price. And at the same time, if Deshaun is still out there lobbying for him, you know, why wouldn't you do it? So, um, so again, we, we have to leave the door open a crack, even though it is unlikely at this point. So it's pretty much the same as it was from day one. Or, I mean, when you mentioned the Deshaun thing, you know, maybe DeAndre goes out there and, you know, the offers aren't as high as they thought. And the Browns kind of look at it and say, yeah, we'll go, 
maybe one or two million more than these other teams are offering. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be quite to the extreme of what happened with Deshaun, but, you know, they've got a little extra money to throw around. So maybe they, they could sweeten the pot a little bit. Yeah, they do have a little bit of extra money to throw around now. And if you really are going for the gusto, which they really are this year, then, you know, maybe it starts to make a little bit of sense. I don't want to get fans like excited and riled up about this because I really don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but stranger things have happened. So, you know, when you've got your, um, you know, your franchise quarterback who you paid $230 million to and uh, spent all of those first round picks on asking for a wide receiver that he would like to have here, either he's doing a really, really good job of pumping up DeAndre Hopkins market, or he would really like to have him here. Uh, maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, but you know, it, it probably can't hurt. I've been watching some of DeAndre Hopkins highlights. I'm sure you have too, Dan. And, you know, just to sort of refresh my memory on some of the things that he does well, he makes some of the most difficult acrobatic catches that I've ever seen. I mean, it's amazing. You would end up with uh, the best route runner in the NFL and some of the best hands in the NFL. I mean, it would be dynamite. And, you know, who are you going to double in that case? So, I don't think it can hurt. I would still bring him in for a visit. Nothing scheduled now, but I would probably be on the phone uh, with his reps who are right here in Cleveland, by the way. Yeah, I'll never I'll never forget the catch he made against Joe Hayden on, on Christmas, the one year against Pittsburgh. That's just, I, I mean, me just saying that, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can just envision that the exact catch I'm talking about. So that's that's the status that he is, and that's the ability he has, is that you could just sort of describe the catch on the cornerback and, and you remember it. Uh, this comes from John in uh, John Tudhope in Olath, Kansas, Olathe, Kansas. I don't know. Formerly from Berea. That's a lot easier. Hey, Mary Kay, how did the rookie class size up in comparison to the vets during OTAs? Well, you know, at times they, you know, at times they looked like rookies. At times they looked like they 100% belonged. You have to remember that uh, the the rookie class started in the third round of this year. So you were not looking at, uh, you know, a polished seasoned player who's ready to step into the starting lineup per se. Uh, but when you looked out there, Cedric Tillman, I thought he looked good at wide receiver. Uh, he made some great plays. There were a few other plays that he wishes that he could have back. Um, like most rookies. And then, um, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback, he did, he did a nice job out there. You know, the moment never looks too big for him. He's played a lot of football in his career. So, you know, he looks pretty good. Siaki Ika, he's trying to work his way in at a very, very crowded position, but I think he's holding his own. He's holding his own. And again, it's not going to be easy because inside, uh, Zadarius Smith has been used a lot in there. And so not only is he competing against the Jordan Elliott's and the Perion Winfrey's and the Tommy Togiais, he's also competing for playing time inside against Zadarius Smith. And that's going to be a very tough nut to crack, a tough competition for you to wedge your way in there and get some playing time. But they really like him and they love rotating these guys. They absolutely love rotating these guys. And as we heard from Jim Schwartz right out of his mouth, uh, they will have times when they have five down linemen. And so you're going to need a lot of them. And not only do you, do you need those five quite often, but you are going to be rotating in probably eight in the course of a football game. So these guys are going to get their reps. And um, yeah, I thought, I thought Siaki did a really, really nice job. 
Dewan Jones, he's hanging in there, the Ohio State offensive tackle, much, much better than he did on his very, very first day of of Brown's rookie camp when he really struggled. Somehow he just kind of got it together and he's been able to, you know, to stay on the field. It wasn't as hot as it was that day. That day, I don't know if the heat was getting to him. I don't know if he has dropped a little weight since then or what, but, you know, he looked a lot better than he did that day. Who else, Dan? Name a few other of the rookies. Uh, let's see. Uh, Luke Whipler. Um, center Luke Whipler. Center. Uh, I mean, I don't, we didn't, I don't, I mean, he's a center. Nothing really stood out there, but you know, he's, he's around. He's, he's gonna, he'll, he'll offer them depth this year. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's, there's him. Uh, there's some undrafted guys, a couple of safeties, um, Ronnie Hickman and Tanner McAllister from Ohio state, Mm -hmm. um, that Ephraim Banda talked about yesterday. So they're, you know, they're, they're kind of fighting for one of those last safety spots. Um, you know, no one looked like they didn't belong when, when yeah. we were kind of there. Like none of these rookies, like I didn't look out there and say like, oh, that guy just does not belong on this field. Yeah, no, not not at all. I mean, really, those guys, for the most part, they looked the part. They did their job. Uh, they, they hung in there OK. Uh, and, you know, right now their heads are swimming. So when Cedric Tillman goes down to the Greenbrier for training camp, he's going to have assimilated some of the offense into his repertoire and he's not going to be so probably overwhelmed with just the play calling and the terminology and all those kinds of things. So I think they'll all look a little bit better once they get to camp. Did you mention DTR? I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought you did. Well, I I asked that because I was looking up while while you were talking, I was trying to find a quote um, from Mike McDaniel that I, I kind of stumbled across yesterday um, or the other day he was, when he was talking about Dalvin cook and, I think this is really important to remember. Like it's easy to forget when you're the, like you're watching practice. So, you know, these guys are practicing things. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be things that don't always look perfect. And uh, Mike McDaniel was talking about a couple of running backs in the room. And he said, uh, we have a couple of rookies that have, that have done a good job being rookies, which means learning from mistakes. And I think that's, you know, that's part of this. Like, I think we show up and we expect this to all look perfect sometimes from day one. But then you have to remember, like, it's practice and these guys are rookies and they're going to mess up. And that's good. It's actually a good thing if they mess up because it gives them opportunities to learn and it gives these coaches time to teach. Yeah. And I've seen some of that. You know, I saw again, I saw Cedric Tillman maybe not get his hands on a few balls that he uh, normally would or would have wanted to. And then, you know, he goes back out there the next time and he catches that same pass. So, uh, you know, I saw a lot of that going on. Um, But, you know, they all, of course, they worked very hard. They kept up with things as best they possibly could. And, you know, it looks like a, a, a pretty decent class. Okay, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we have a question about the AFC North. And welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. This comes from Mike Parker in Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay. I think the Browns' success this year will depend on their record in the AFC North. How do you think the Browns will fare against the Bengals and Ravens and, to a lesser extent, the Steelers? It's a great question. It is a great question because, as we know, three of those games are right at the beginning of the season. And some of those teams have been together for a while. And the Browns haven't been together for a while. They will be playing a new defense and largely and everything is new offense in those first four games of the season. And the other teams, for the most part, 
are going to be doing a lot of what they've done before. Although when you look over in Baltimore, you realize that Todd Munkin, former Browns offensive coordinator, is the coordinator there now, and they are changing up their philosophy and their scheme. And so it's going to be very different for them. I mean, they're going to be passing the ball a lot more. Uh, They will be relying less on Lamar Jackson's legs. And so that's going to be an adjustment for them. They've got to find that sweet spot over there for like what, you know, how much pass, how much run, how much does Lamar uh, just try to rely on his arms, how much his legs. So that's one where, you know, I think in some ways they're going to be in the same boat. Uh, but the other teams, you know, they, they kind of have their mojo down and the Browns are going to have to get their mojo down very, very quickly, which is another reason why, why I think Kevin Stefanski is taking them down to the Greenbrier to get started. Eight days down there, no distractions, no family going, no going home to, uh, I think he said the other day, you know, like crying children and stuff like that. And then he was like, I don't even know if anybody has crying children. Um, but, you know, they're going to go down there. They're going to work against the Philadelphia Eagles and they're going to get really, really good work in. And they've got four preseason games instead of three. So they have every opportunity to get ready. I do think the AFC North, I think it's vitally important. Even Zadarius Smith, who's uh, been in the AFC North before with the Baltimore Ravens and knows how tough it is, you know, he basically is saying, you know, you got to go out and win your division. You have to win your division. You know, that's the way to ensure that you're getting into the playoffs and that you've got, you know, a, a good seeding and all that kind of stuff. And to a certain extent, I think he's right. Obviously, you can get in without winning your division, uh, but you're going to make your life a whole lot easier. I think the Browns probably, I think they have the, the potential to split in the division. Yeah, I'm going to say split. I think that they can beat each of those teams, and I think that they can also lose to each of those teams. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because, um, you know, the Steelers have started slow a couple years in a row. The Bengals started slow last year, and then uh, they once they lost to the Browns on Halloween, they didn't lose again until the AFC Championship game. So it, it's going to be really interesting because the Browns kind of don't have that luxury. I mean, I said earlier, like, stay within shouting distance until Thanksgiving and you're good, but when you have all these division games early, you, you kind of don't have the luxury of starting one and three and, and still really having a chance to make the playoffs. You're really putting yourself behind the eight ball because at that point, if you've lost those division games, you're just fighting for the wild card and that's when it gets really messy. Um, so yeah, the Browns have to really focus on starting fast this year, even if it's a tough balance because you don't want to peak in October, but this team has to be really good in September and and October as well. Yeah. You've got three double games in your first four games, three double division games in your first four. It's really mind blowing to see how the schedule was set up this year, especially again, because as we've mentioned uh, you know, there's so much that is new, not just new faces, but a new defensive coordinator, a new special teams coordinator, and so much new personnel on the Cleveland Browns. And they just don't really have time to wait and see who's got chemistry with Deshaun Watson and, you know, who's going to fare best as the nickel cornerback. And, you know, is JOK understanding his, you know, run fits or whatever as much as he needs to early on. We talked to Jason Tarver about him yesterday and some of the things that JOK needs to do to be ready for training camp. Um, You know, is it all going to come together as quickly as they need it to? Well, it just has to, or else they could be in dire straits early on. 
Okay, this is an interesting question here about Deshaun Watson. Hey, Mary Kay. It comes from Jamie in Bethany, uh, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay. Reflecting back on last year's OTAs and minicamp when Deshaun was impressive in his own right, what looked different about this year that should have Browns fans more optimistic? And I I was looking back um, at some old podcast headlines from last year. And even with as weird as everything was, we had some podcast headlines that were like, man, Deshaun Watson looks good, basically. So he did look good last year. It did feel different this year. So what was different? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you exactly what I think is different. I think for the most part. Now, again, we know he's knocking off the rust. We know that he hadn't played in 700 days. But more so than anything, he's got an upgraded receiving core this year. And I think that means the world. I mean, when you're out there throwing deep balls to Marquise Goodwin and Elijah Moore is catching one-handed passes in the end zone. And Jordan Aikens, your former teammate from the Texans, is making big plays for you. Um, You know, Cedric Tillman, once again, big target is out there for you. Donovan Peoples-Jones taking a step up from last year. Uh, I think that's all vitally important. And that's what I see going on. Deshaun Watson, for the most part, he's been playing this game for a long, long, long time. He hasn't changed that much since, you know, since he was playing at Clemson, probably. I mean, he's probably pretty much the same quarterback that he's always been, except for the fact that, um, you know, he had so much on his plate last year in terms of his off the field issues that that impacted his on field performance um, and the fact that he hadn't played in 700 days. Other than that, he's got plenty of muscle memory in that body. I mean, you're not all of a sudden going to see him not having good footwork, right? I mean, last year, I remember after every single practice, he would go walking down uh, behind uh, the far goalpost and just work on his footwork and his agility. And it's good. I mean, he reps and reps the things uh, that you need to do to be an amazing Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL. And none of that has changed. He had it last year. He has it this year. Now he's knocked some of the rust off and he's got better personnel. And I I just think it's different when you know you're the guy from week one. And I think Mm -hmm. last year, I mean, he had to be respectful of, maybe respectful is not the right word. Of course, he's going to respect Jacoby Brissett, but he had to be respectful of Jacoby the starter Mm -hmm. because you knew at some point and you didn't know how long, but you knew Jacoby was going to start and he was going to have to be the starting quarterback and Deshaun was going to have to kind of let him be the starting quarterback. And this year, just, you don't have that. Like this is Deshaun's team. This is his show. And I just watching out there, watching him interact and watching the way he carries himself. You could just tell that he's so much more confident in that. And that he's just, he's, he's not ceding to anyone. This is, this is Deshaun Watson's team. And it just makes a huge difference. Him knowing that, that here on June 9th, he knows he's going to be starting in week one, there's no question about that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That is a huge, huge factor. Uh, they know that when they put him out there for reps, that he is the guy. And so they can act accordingly. You know, they can give him most of the work with the guys he's actually going to be playing with. And that's vitally important. And, you know, you, you've got to get those reps with everybody because anything can happen. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's with the ones. It's Deshaun with the ones. And that is so key. And in addition to, uh, you know, not knowing how many games he was going to be suspended for at this time last year, 
He also had still at that time, 23, 24 outstanding cases and against him. And, you know, if, if that's not going to rattle you, then you're not even human. I mean, you know, if, if that's not weighing on your mind every single minute of every single day, then there's something gravely wrong with you. And, um, and he, you know, he did have that on his mind all of last year. And he doesn't have that anymore. He has two outstanding cases. Um, one, Lauren Baxley, she wants to go to trial. Nothing is on the docket yet. Um, so who knows, maybe those two will even get settled if they do, you know, then I think that, you know, even more so he will be able to try to continue to move forward. And we must say this, this is important. He has worked very hard on himself. Uh, the NFL, uh, mandated that he undergo a lot of treatment and a lot of counseling. And he has done that. And he, he says, when he says I'm healthy, he means He's healthy in that regard now. He understands what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, you know, that's that's good for him to acknowledge that he needs to get well. And so, so much of that now is behind him, or at least to a degree, never going to be completely behind him. We know that it will always be part of his story and part of his narrative. But he doesn't have as much of the legal stuff hanging over his head this year. Okay, let's get to some uh, some other questions here. This comes from Kevin in Loveland, Colorado. Hey, Mary Kay, keep on being the best uh, the best in the beat writer biz with the bevy of pass catchers, tight ends included. Who do you think will have the most yards and who will have the most receiving touchdowns this year? Well, first of all, Kevin, thank you very much. <laughs> I had to include the compliment. <laughs> that is lofty praise, and I greatly appreciate it. So thank you very much. Um, you know what? I still think it's Amari. I really do. I think that it's it's going to be Amari. I think he already has some uh, some chemistry with Deshaun because they did play six games together last year. Uh, he's got a nose for the end zone. Even you know, even when they weren't throwing many touchdown passes last year, they finished tied for last in the NFL with only nineteen. Uh, Amari ended up with I think nine of those, uh, which you know that says a lot. Almost fifty percent of those went to Amari. So, you know, there are other guys on the team that have a nose for the end zone and for touchdown catches. Um, Elijah Moore is one of them because he had five as a rookie. Now, he only had one last year when things kind of went off the rails a little bit, um, but he has the ability to get into the end zone, too. I just think it's still going to be Amari Cooper, who is now healthy. He's fresh. He's ready to go. Okay, I want to get through a few few more of these here so we'll keep moving here Derek from Grand Rapids Michigan here's an interesting one hey Mary Kay a way too early question on Dorian Thompson Robinson is he the quarterback of the future in 2030 what is the likelihood that he is the starting quarterback for the Browns are you ready to make a 2030 prediction Mary Kay I don't think so I don't think <laughs> I am um, but certainly, you know, I think part of the reason why, uh, Dorian is here is because, you know, he's got some crossover skill set with Deshaun Watson and he's friends with Deshaun Watson and he's going to be good for the room and he's a good developmental young guy, but to take it any further than that at this point, I think would be premature. Uh, you know, he's certainly got a great personality. He's got great work, work ethic. He's looked good so far in practice. Uh, but I'm not ready to make that leap yet. A lot can happen between now and 2030. Yeah, so Deshaun Watson is 27. Uh, he turns 28 in September. 
Um, you've got to imagine that he wants to play 10 more years. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he only wants to play till he's 35, but I doubt it. There's always a ton of money to be made out there for a quarterback. So, you know, he probably wants to play for, for at least another 10 more years. And I'm sure the Browns, if he plays for another 10 more years, wanted to be here in Cleveland. So, I, you know, I, I think one of the misconceptions out there sometimes is people look at that five-year, $230 million contract, and they think that's it. Like, after five years, he's gone. He's out the door. He got his money. I that That's not really the case. That's not how it works. You know, I'm sure if he plays like he's capable of playing, we're going to be talking about that contract being redone and extended. And, you know, two years from now, we might talk about Deshaun Watson resetting the market again. So, uh, you know, I, I think as long as he's the Deshaun Watson that the Browns think he can be, he's going to be the quarterback for as long as he wants to be. And I would imagine that's going to take them as long as he stays healthy past 2030 pretty easily. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, these guys have set the standard now for how long you can play quarterback. And the quarterbacks aren't getting hit the way that they used to. The rules of the game have changed to the point where you can stay upright. You're not getting as many concussions. You're not getting as many injuries. Uh, You're not being dropped on the ground quite as much as the quarterbacks used to be. Not getting beat up like that. You can preserve your body. You can stay in the game longer. And certainly I'm sure that he is going to be one of those guys that will try to stick around as long as he possibly can, make as much money as he possibly can, because pretty soon before you know it, his $46 million a year is not going to even phase us. It's going to be like, oh, he's only making $46 million a year, right? Um, So yeah, those numbers are climbing into the 50s now already. And, um, you know, he's going to want to cash in on some of that, set himself and his family up for for life. And, um, And I think that if all goes as planned and he is the quarterback they think they got, he could definitely be here through 2030. Okay, uh, let's make this the last one. Howard from Los Angeles. Uh, now, since And I like this one because we've gotten a chance to sort of see this a little bit and see how it might play out. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, will Greg Newsom or Denzel Ward play inside most of the time? It's a good question. Um, you know what? I think Greg has more experience playing inside. Denzel might not be quite as suited to the nickelback role as, as Greg is. Um, but... I also think that they're going to be just playing a lot of mismatches this year. I think they're going to move guys around and I don't think it's just going to fall on, on one player this year. I do think that you'll see a number of different guys doing it and, you know, safeties too. So, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, I think Greg, if you had to put an, an amount of snaps on it, Greg will probably get more snaps than Denzel at the spot. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be all Greg inside all the time this year. I agree. And I think we saw enough of Denzel in there over the spring that um, it, it's a sign that he's going to be in there. And I, I actually kind of want to see it because Denzel likes to be physical and he likes to hit. I mean, one of his best college highlights is him just blowing somebody up. And I know he's had some similar hits at the NFL level, sometimes to his detriment, you, you know, He's, he's got to protect himself and the Browns have to protect, make sure they're protecting him too. But, um, you know, I think him playing inside can work because he, he isn't afraid to get physical and tackle and, and make plays at the line of scrimmage. 
Yeah, as we remember, though, like you said, he's got to protect himself. He's got to tackle uh, in a way where he doesn't end up getting, you know, the neck injuries and those kinds of things. Um, but as long as he uh, can do that and use the right technique, then, you know, he can be a weapon there inside and he can create mismatches with certain kinds of receivers inside and take some of that load away from Greg. So everybody gets to be outside. Everybody gets to be inside some. And, uh, you know, you're, you're spreading that around a little bit. Okay, there we go. A Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Friday, getting you through your weekend after Brown's mandatory minicamp. We're not going anywhere, though. Don't worry. Between now and when the Browns go to the Greenbrier, we'll still have five podcasts a week. We'll still have the newsletters for our football insider subscribers. And of course, we'll still have our texts going out to our subscribers. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get info on that. Also, just make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I always tell you, check out YouTube. Uh, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube to get subscribed there. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>